Hello friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast and this week's adult Bible study as we continue our theme beyond Sunday. How to take our faith, how to take what we're hearing on Sunday beyond Sunday to Monday through Saturday. And uh, we continued that thought this week. I felt a little distracted in my mind because I was going to be preaching after I taught this lesson. And so my mind kept wanting to go there. But the, the heartbeat of what we were getting after in today's lesson is that we need to have a desire for God. Not just, great, I'm going to heaven, a desire to, for God. And then we need to become Bible meditators. we got to get into God's Word. I really wanted to say more about that, but it just didn't. I'm going to have to come back and revisit that, I guess, on Thursday. forgot. we got the after class on Thursday. I will do that. So, without further ado, here is this week's adult Bible study in our series Beyond Sunday. All right, let's take our Bibles and go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is where we will we'll get to here shortly. We've been in this series entitled Beyond Sunday. Taking our faith from Sunday, when we hear a message, we're excited, we're energetic, and then living it out Monday through Saturday. And so often, I think, in our churches today, we are seeing... Uh, Christians that will come for maybe a Sunday morning service, or maybe they'll come Sunday morning and a Sunday night, but then Monday they get back to work, they get back into the temptations of this world, and they're struggling, and they're living this defeated life of a roller coaster, and they have no idea, uh, in their mind, that is the Christian life. It's just a struggle. We looked at Romans chapter 7, where Paul said, the things that I would, I am do not, and things that I don't want to do, I'm doing. And we've talked about this little graph here uh, of sanctification. This series is on this period called sanctification. You'll see I've just been keeping a running total in your notes there of a review. We talked about after salvation, we begin this journey of faith called sanctification. Other names were were, uh, biblical change, growing in your faith. You'll hear all preachers say those terms all the time. And he's just talking about growing in that Christian life. It's that sanctification period. We've talked about how the goal of this journey is to be more like Jesus Christ. And that was a big point that I'm kind of quickly going over because biblical change is not just, and this has been a theme of this series, it's not just a relief from your symptoms. There's a lot of people that when their symptoms get good, they get out of debt and all of a sudden they're happy. Their, their spouse is in a better mood, so all of a sudden they're happy. That's not biblical change. That's circumstances change. But the next time something gets difficult, they're right back into the frustrated, depressed, discouraged, angry, mad at God. Why? Because we're, we're not seeing biblical change. Biblical change is not just a relief from symptoms. It's becoming like Jesus Christ. And we had that illustration of the teabag. The person bringing about this change in this process of sanctification is the Holy Spirit who resides in us. And we talked about then, we do have a responsibility though, is we are to obey, but our obedience now is not in our own strength. You guys remember the illustration of the plow? I give it every week. But again, we, I don't pick up a plow, you don't pick up a plow and plow a field. We abide in the tractor, hook that up, and that plows it for us. This Christian life, sanctification is not meant to be done in your own strength or you'll fail. And that's why a lot of churches are filled with Christians that are struggling and frustrated all the time because they're trying to defeat sin in their own strength. And Jesus has already won the victory. 
We've got to depend on him. The sanctification, the process of the Christians, the sanctification of growing in faith is by faith just like salvation was. And he said this in Colossians 2.6 when he says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus. Well, how did we receive Christ Jesus? By faith. When I humbled myself and realized I can't do anything to get myself to heaven, it's only Jesus Christ. He says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, so walk sanctification. So walk ye in him. So that means my Christian life is to be about, God, I can't do this. I can't defeat this anger of mine. But I'm trusting you. I'm humbling myself. And God, I need you. And God, the Spirit of God through, gives the victory. And so the journey of faith is sanctification. But we talked about how there is some opposition. And it sounds good. And I could motivate you to leave here and say, you know what? I want to grow in my faith. I want to, I want to, I want to be more like Jesus Christ. And I could motivate you with a whole message like that. But there is opposition. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world's outside, we see it on television, we see it on the billboards, we see it all around us in the culture and the thinking of the mindset. Satan is kind of the mastermind behind it, he's working, he's maneuvering, and the flesh is that internal traitor that we've been zeroing in on mainly in this series that resides within each one of us. The flesh is the one that wants us to live a defeated life, wants us to give in to sin. And last week... We talked about how to defeat the flesh. It's not in our own strength, by the way, but we have to have an attitude of humility. We've got to claim our position in Jesus Christ. Well, today, we're going to kind of move on and, and, and continue to talk about how we can see some victory. And I want to talk about how the Christian life, first and foremost, as we get into this by way of introduction, the Christian life, first and foremost, is about God. And this is a kind of a big point. It kind of ties in with last week a little bit. The, the Christian life is not just a primarily about escaping everlasting damnation. And that's where we can kind of get that mindset. And I think Satan even kind of enjoys it. If he's lost us and he knows that we are saved, he doesn't mind if we get in the mindset of thinking, well, I'm saved, so now I get to go to here one day. And as I've already talked about, if this is everything that the Christian life is, is one day I'm going to get here, then you're going to mess up this part right here. Because it's so much more than that. And that's what we're going to kind of get into a little bit today, that the Christian life is so much more than just escaping everlasting damnation, or it's a deliverance from sin and freedom from these unsettling emotions that we struggle with so often. So anger, I brought it up, worry, fear, guilt, bitterness, lust, and so on, especially when we get into the fruit of the Spirit over the next few weeks, you're going to see this maybe starting next week, but but the opposite of that being these anger, worry, fear, guilt, all of this, those are just indications that our relationship with God is not where it should be. That it's either grown cold, or maybe it's just never grown in the first place. So think about your last seven days. Your last seven days. Would you see any of these in your last seven days? Anger, worry, fear, guilt, bitterness, lust? If so, good news is you've you're alive. You've got that internal traitor. He's trying to tempt you. Now, if you gave into it, you're going to be frustrated. But hopefully, you claim the victory you have in Christ. So the review, as I've already said it a little bit, that the primary goal of this is not a relief from problems. The problems remind us that we need a close relationship with God. The problems that we have allow us to draw close to God. I want you to think about this before I read Luke 10. 
every trial that you go through, every temptation that you face, every blessing that you encounter, all of these have one purpose, to draw you close to God. You've got to think about during this sanctification process, God wants to make you like Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, he talks about conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. Ridding us of ourself to become like Jesus Christ. That is the sanctification process. But I want, you to, I want to start this week's lesson by looking here at Luke chapter number 10. In verse, we'll start in verse 38. A great story. I love Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, Mary specifically, is seen in three different scenes. In all three scenes that you see Mary... She is, she is before Jesus, on her knees, listening to Jesus. In all three scenes that you see Mary, they had a brother named Lazarus as well. I won't tell that story, but you may remember Lazarus died. And in uh, John chapter 11, Jesus resurrected him, brought him back from the dead. An amazing story there. But here we see an interesting one. Starting verse 38, it says, Now it came to pass as they went that he, Jesus, entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Boy, notice who she's going after first. She says, Lord. So she's going to Jesus and saying, Lord, do you not care that she's leaving me alone? She's just sitting there at your feet, and I'm over here working, working like crazy. Bid her, so now she's commanding Jesus, bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. The tone of that, even when you read it, I, I don't think he was, Martha, Martha. I don't think it was that. I think his tone was very soft, which just shows that this uh, just amazing nature because how many of us would have been if someone's in our face saying once you do this once you do this barking out orders what do you want to do that old internal traitor the flesh wants to come up and say all right you want to get loud with me i'm going to get loud with you but jesus doesn't struggle with that because he's god and he says martha martha and then he goes on he says thou art careful or anxious is that word anxious and troubled about many things but one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Well, what did she choose? She chose to get down at the feet of Jesus and just listen to his every single word. She chose relationship. Now, the lesson today is not going to be about choosing a relationship, just sitting around and reading your Bible 24-7 and not serving. That's not the purpose of the lesson. Mary serving isn't a bad thing but serving without the relationship is a bad thing okay i could teach this lesson today but if i am not walking with god if i'm not trying to spend some time in god if i'm not bathing this lesson in prayer then by my labor is nothing wrong with the labor nothing wrong with teaching but i'm doing it in my own strength and i'm all it will ultimately fail now i want to start here though have you ever been talking on the phone, especially you AT&T people, all right? Have you ever been talking on the phone and it dropped a call or you lost a call? I heard lately AT&T has been bad about that. At least I face, you know, everybody's whining on Facebook. But, uh, I mean, there's always, that's just how it is. But everybody was complaining recently about AT&T dropping calls, dropping calls, dropping calls. 
And if you've ever had that, you've been usually what you do is you find, you keep driving, you watch a little bar. You, I mean, you're not watching your phone when you're driving, all right? I know you guys are responsible, but eventually you get to a place where you know you can make the call and you just hit the redial button or hit the green button again and you call them. We don't even know phone numbers anymore. If you're, certain, if you're under a certain age, you don't even know phone numbers anymore. You just hit their name and it just goes right to it. And you call them back and you get connected again, right? Well, fellowship with God is blocked or disconnected by one thing, sin. And that's why over the last few weeks when we've been talking about in this sanctification process, there are some enemies, the world, our flesh, and the devil that are trying to get us into sin because sin drops the call in a sense between us and God. Sin hinders that relationship that we have with God. And, and so Satan is going to do whatever he possibly can to disconnect, bring a disconnect. And the only way to do that is to get us to sin. But that connection is restored, we know, by confessing our sin. Confessing that sin and crying out to God, asking Him to forgive us. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And once that fellowship is restored, the, then there's nothing between our soul and the Savior. This is, a state, this is a place that John calls the abiding in the vine. Remember John 15, we went there before. He says, when you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. And it shall be done to you. It's a fellowship term. And that's the idea here of what Mary was choosing. She wasn't sitting there at his feet thinking, I'm abiding in Jesus. She wasn't thinking that. But what was happening was she was listening. She was at the feet of Jesus and she was taking it. She was learning from his word and how important that was. And I'm going to get more into that here in just a little bit. But so often in the Christian life, we get saved and we're excited about being saved. But then in our sanctification process, as we are to be growing in our faith, we all of a sudden neglect God. All of a sudden, our only interaction with God is whatever the preacher happens to say on Sunday. And we expect that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, everything's just going to work out because I listen to God Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. It's not how it works. Imagine if I said to Michelle, hey, I will talk to you on Sundays. This is my wife, by the way. I will talk to you on Sundays from 11 to 12. Other than that, I, I just can't talk to you, okay? I just got things going on. Maybe I'm going to be playing PlayStation, or maybe I'm going to be golfing with Ryan. Or, but I will talk to you from 11 to 12. How is our relationship going to be? Give that relationship one year. How long you think? How, how, you come see us a year from now, and I've talked to her one hour a week for one year. Do you think when she sees me, she's going to have her arm around me going, this is my husband? No, you're going to see me in a basement tied up, beaten up. She's going to, she's going to, that's what she's going to do. It's not a relationship. But why is it spiritually we think God, I'm, not saying, I'm saying we generally, okay? Not trying, but why is it so often many Christians think, God, thank you for saving me. Boy, I'm so thankful I'm saving. I'm going to preach on that this morning, remembering my, our salvation. God, thank you for saving me. And now here's an hour of my day, God. You're going to get you're going to get an hour of my week. I can't, you're you're God. You're I want you to do amazing work with me, God. All right, you're going to get an hour. Here you go, God. It's not going to happen. You see, what I want to talk about today a little bit, if I can get into it, is sanctification. If we're going to grow and to know God, and it 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 requires a desire for God. You've got to want to know God. 
That's what John calls it, abiding in the vine. He also called it walking in the light. Paul described it as being filled with all the fullness of God. You see, once we are restored and we confess the sin and we get right with God and we're in fellowship, that's great. But a lot of people then just don't know what to do. They don't know how to carry a conversation. Oh, I understand that because when Michelle and I first started talking, I, I'm by nature, unless I'm teaching, that's fine, but by nature more introverted. So I hate small talk. I don't know. I, it's just awkward to me. I don't know what to do. So you kind of, you can only say so often, how's the weather, you know, or even the, today, Alex's dad's here and I'm glad that he's here. And so I say this jokingly because I can tell he's a good guy already just by talking to him. But we were walking over together and all of a sudden the introvert in me is thinking, okay, what do I say? Now it doesn't matter. I mean, you can talk about anything when you're, but I was thinking, so I said, you know, you get in your basic conversation. So where are you from? I found out he's from the east side of Martinsville. But all, everything in me, I can teach all day. It doesn't bother me. I'll get in front of people. I don't like to lead singing. I'll do that today. But all this other stuff, I do like it, but it just makes me nervous. But something about the small talk, I'm like, I don't know. Let's just get deep. So I almost went, went deep with Alex's dad. All right, tell me little things about Alex. All right, what's he done wrong? What's the problem? What's he struggling with? I just want to go deep immediately so I build that relationship. But... But so often we're like, God, thank you for saving me. And now you've got one hour of my week possibly. And maybe I'll come back Sunday night and you get two hours. But what do we talk about, God? What do we do? And so today I want to talk a little bit, a couple things. Number one is to know God in a deeper way. It requires a desire for God. And Mar Mary in this text though martha chose a very noble thing to serve the lord and i think that's a great thing but serving the lord on empty is what we call when you don't know god in a greater way and you try to serve god on empty you're going to burn out you're going to give out martha chose to get at the feet of jesus and get to know him and what i want to challenge our class today if i can get to it is if i can get our minds to it i want us to leave class today saying i want to know god in a deeper way not just not just know about God, but I want to know God in a greater way. I think about the psalmist. Are these in your notes? I think I put them in your notes. But in Psalm 42.1, as the heart, it's, it, it, I typed it in and it it's supposed to say heart, so it's uh, wrong there. But as the heart, that's a deer, panteth after the water brooks, David said, so panteth my soul after thee, O God, my soul thirsteth. They changed that one on me too. I don't know why. They, my soul, they don't like the old English of King James, I guess. So they change everything on me when I should just copy and paste. But my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Here's David writing and he says, God, I absolutely am thirsting for you. I want to know you in a greater way. And if this sanctification process and this lesson series that we're going through is going to get anywhere to our hearts, I want it my goal and my prayer is for my life and for your life that when it comes to Monday morning or Tuesday morning that we get up saying, God, I want to know you in a greater way today. It's not, God, I'll see you on Sunday at 10 or 11. It's, God, I want to know you in a greater way today. That's what the psalmist said. He said in Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. You, you know I don't think we understand dry and thirsty too much. Maybe some of you do. Only way I can relate to is when I, in the growing up working in the hay fields and putting those hay bales up, and my dad had working us like a slave out there. I mean, we're putting hay bales up, and he thought we needed it, and it was good for us. But uh, I just wanted to be playing a Nintendo or something, and Dad had us out in the fields, and we're put. And I mean, I, in that sun, I was just sweating. I mean, just absolutely. And whenever I got back and grabbed either sweet tea that Mom had made or water, either one, 
They've never tasted better. Never tasted better. Now, was I dying of thirst like the psalmist? No, no, no. But I'm just telling you, when I got that, it was just both hands. I remember around this jug and it was just, I couldn't get enough of it. It was so good. That's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, God, I can't get enough of you. I want to know you in a greater way. That's how it ought to be in our human relationships, and we understand that. I mean, Michelle just wanted to hang out with me all the time before we started got married, and she was just begging me. I'm like, all right, okay, I wanted to go golf with Ryan, but sure, we'll go hang out. I mean, she was begging. Oh, maybe it was the other way around, all right? But why? Why is that on a human relationship? We would say to our, to our significant other, oh, I, I just want to know you in a greater way. Maybe we wouldn't say it in that cheesy way, but we would say it in some way by wanting to be with him all the time. But why is it spiritually one of the most, impo the most important relationship we have with God and we say, God, thanks for getting me to heaven. I'll see you in 75 years. No. Psalmist said, I, I want to know you in a greater way. He says, whom have I in, in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my portion forever. My soul, in, in Psalm 82, says, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. You see, if our desire is only, God, would you just relieve me from my problems? and we experience no desire whatsoever for a relationship with God, then I would say our first step either needs to be a careful examination of whether or not we even really belong to God. Now, I'm not, I'm not one of those that tries to preach people out of their salvation or teach people out of their salvation. That's not who I am. I don't want to... But I do think there's something concerning if our only thing is, God, what can you do for me? God, can you relieve me of this problem? Can you imagine if I said to Michelle, hey, will you marry me so I, you can get me out of this debt and then we'll just go our own way? I knew one couple that they got married because he was going into the military and it would have, I think it was, I don't remember all the details, but it would have given someone else some money that was behind and so they just kind of got married and it didn't last. Why? Because it wasn't, there was no desire to grow. It was, I need something. And, and so many people are looking to God saying, God, I just, I need something from you. no. It ought to be that every day, God, I want to know you in a greater way. So when we come to the Word of God, which is where I'm going to get to in just a second, we're coming to the Word of God like Mary approached Jesus on this day. And though we don't have to get on your knees to do your Bible reading or anything, but your heart, your, in your heart is, in a sense, prostrate before God saying, God, I just want to know you today. And when you pray, say, God, I just want to know you. This morning I'll be um, preaching from my dad since he's out and so I went out the last couple nights since I, f I found out was it two nights ago or last night two nights ago that I'll be speaking and so I went out a couple times at night and I just started walking around looking up just beautiful outside you can see the stars and everything and as I was walking as I was looking up I was just talking to God I didn't have my eyes closed because I didn't want to walk into the it was dark okay and I just wanted to look out and say God in a few days, I'm going to be speaking to an auditorium full of people that are going to come to church to hear from you. What do you want me to say? I've got two or three days. And I just poured it out to God. And it was some of this, the best times of talking to God when you're alone and just walking and looking around because it's just, it's that kind of an intimate feeling where you're just talking to God. 
But so often we get so rigid in our relationship with God. It's like, hey, God, I'm going to show up on Sunday and then we're going to have some time together. All right, we're going to have some time. Then I got to grudge through work Monday through Friday and then Saturday I'm off. Well, I'm going to do that's me time. I'm going to have some fun. But then Sunday. You see, the Christian life, remember Colossians 3 last week when he says, when Christ, and then he puts a comma and he says, who is our life? You know what that means? Christ is your life on Monday. He's your life on Tuesday. He's your life on Wednesday. Every single day, everything you do revolves around God. He's your life. And so if I'm going to see this type of biblical change, and if I'm going to fall in love with Him in a greater way, how do I do that? It's great to say that, and it's great to want that. How do I do it? Well, we get to know Him, and we see biblical change. If we're going to, we've got to become students of His Word, the Bible. God has given us His Word. I've talked a lot about this before, not in this class necessarily, but God has given us His Word. Mary got to hear it. She got to sit down and just hear it from Jesus. We are given God's Word. He has preserved it for us. He's given it to us. And so if we want to know God in a deeper way, it's got to begin with a desire. If you don't have the desire, you're never going to do it. But it continues through the study and meditation on God's Word. There's a term I'm going to refer to. You may hear me say this word, illumination. You won't hear it a lot. It's a kind of a Bible college term. But illumination is, means that the Spirit of God, who's the author of the Bible takes and helps illumine or bring to light the scriptures as you read it. He helps you. The number one thing I hear, whether it's people that listen to my podcast or number one thing I hear from people that go to class is this, I just don't understand the Bible. And I understand. I get you. It can be difficult at times. But one of the things I always come back to them and say is this, you just have to start. You just have to do it. Because the secret of the whole thing is, it's not a secret, but it's in the Bible, is the Holy Spirit, the author, lives inside of you as a Christian. And he will bring to light what you need to know. But you have to show up every day. You have to show up every day and spend time with God. Illumination is, some one person called it, when God turns the light on. It's like when you're reading and all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and you're like, wow, there it is. Sometimes people will come to me and say, did you know this verse? This is the most amazing verse. What I'm going to preach on here in just a little bit. I'm going to preach on a text that probably, I don't mean this in a mean way, but probably none of you in here can remember this text. I didn't either. Years ago, I preached this. I've redid everything in it. Not everything, but a lot of it in it. But this text, even when I went back, I'm like, Where? I don't remember this text. Numbers chapter 15. It's not, a, it's not a text you'll remember. But the light bulb went off as I was studying. That's the Spirit of God as He begins to help you when you study the Word of God. But if we don't show up, we don't get anything from it. That's what Jesus was saying to Martha. Martha was running around. She was cumbered. She was anxious. And notice what happened, though, to come back to that moment and that scene for just a second. When she ignored the words of Jesus and she was trying to get busy doing things, she was full of anxiety because Jesus says you're careful and you're anxious. She kind of got a critical tongue, did she not? And, and she, she started getting bossy. She got critical. She got negative. You know what I found in my life when I'm not spending time with God? I get anxious. I can get a little critical with my tongue. But Mary was at the feet of Jesus. Now, I want to talk about this. Bible reading alone doesn't change you. And I think this, that's a big, that seems like a simple phrase. 
But that's a big phrase because a lot of people think that this book right here is just like a medicine cabinet. You just, all you got to do, man, my, I'm worried, my problems, I've got all kinds of problems, I'm struggling. Okay, so all I got to do is just open up the Bible, read something, and all of a sudden all my problems are going to vanish away. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. The Bible tells us, go to Psalm chapter 1, we'll, fit, we'll, we'll be there for the remainder of the time. Psalm chapter 1, I want you to take a look at that. I could go to Joshua, but I, I think I just want to land in Psalm 1 here in a second. Bible reading alone doesn't change you. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of God's Word as you read it, and as you study it, and as you meditate on it. The Bible tells us in John 16, he says, Howbeit when the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth. One of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, is to guide you into all truth. And so as you're spending time in God's Word, He will guide you. But notice this text. This is probably, maybe for some of you, familiar for some of you, maybe not, but notice the text. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of of the scornful. Three negative things there, the ungodly, the sinners, and the scornful. That sounds like opposition to us, our journey of faith. We're trying to grow in our faith. Scorners aren't going to help us. The ungodly aren't going to help us, and sinners are not going to help us. So he says, blessed, that's true. Ha truly happy is the one that's not walking into that council. He's not sitting with those people. We've got to be careful of the outside sources that are coming in our lives. That was kind of last week's lesson. But then look at verse 2. It says, but for this blessed person, for this one that's growing in their faith, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Did you see that? The one that's truly blessed, the one that has understanding of true joy and true happiness is the one that delights himself. That's our first point about desire to grow in a deeper way. He delights himself in the word of God. That this book right here is his passion. Why? Because he loves God. The psalmist that wrote this is more than likely the psalmist that wrote the other ones when he says, as the deer panted for the water brook, so my soul panted for you. It's the same author he's saying i love god and he's found a truth that when he is in god's word and meditates upon god's word god honors that and then look at the results of that let's so let's say you took me up on this and i'm going to get to my last illustration in a second but let's say you took me up on this and you left here and tomorrow morning you woke up and said god i want to know you in a greater way and i'm going to get into the word of god i may not understand it but I'm going to get into the Word of God, and I'm going to pray before that. I'm going to ask the Spirit of God to help me, and I'm going to get into it. And I'm going to continue that. I'm going to continue that for a year. What's going to happen? Well, look at this verse 3. And he, so continuing a thought about the one that delights in the Word of God and meditates. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So does that bring, ring about a sign of stability? you got a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. It constantly has the water source. So there's a stability about this tree. And it bringeth forth its fruit in its season. So there's a, it's fruitful, which it's supposed to be. A tree, we would expect that. His leaf also shall not wither. It's not going to die, fade. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's the picture that God gave to someone who is meditating on the Bible. 
who spends time in the Word of God. So if I can, I think, safely draw out what he's saying here, if you and I spend time meditating on the Word of God, it brings a stability to our life, a fruitfulness to our life. We're not going to wither. We're not going to fade. We're not going to be up and down all the time with the trials of life. And he says, And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's not saying you're going to be rich. It just says God is going to be working through you to prosper what he wants to do. That's an amazing truth. That's something I want in my life, but that doesn't come just from picking the Bible and saying, all right, let's see, right here, boom, I'm going to read Acts 11, God prosper me. No. It's purposely taking time with God. You know, if you and I expose ourselves to the sun for an extended period of time, what happens? You get in the sun, I did last day, played some golf in our church golf outing yesterday. But I spent, got a little bit, my wife said last night, she said, you got a little bit burnt on your head. Well, why? Because I'm bald, number one, you can say it. But number two, I spent an extended amount of time in the sun without a hat. And because I spent an extended amount of time in the sun without a hat, my head got burnt. For the sake of the illustration, let's just say, got tan. But you know, biblical change is the same way. It's not something we just do ourselves. I couldn't just wake up this morning and sit in my bed and say, Hey, bald head, I want you to be tanned today because YouTube's going to be watching. Can't do it. Can't do it myself. I had to expose myself to the sun. You know, it's the same way when it comes to biblical change. It's something that happens to us spiritual, supernaturally excuse me, through the Holy Spirit as we expose ourselves to God's Word. You know, you don't watch your kids. When you, you watch your kids every day, but you don't see them necessarily grow. Eventually you'll go, hey, you're growing. You're almost as tall as your mom now. But you don't see it happen. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced it happens at night when they're sleeping because I just don't notice it. I just, and, and some kids, they'll, some homes, they'll put those marks on their door and the kids can't wait. And they're like, wow, I didn't even, and you don't see it. You just look at it. You're like, how did you grow? When did you grow? I didn't see it. I know you were eating everything in the house, but I didn't see you grow like that. What happens? It just happens gradually. The same thing happens spiritually. If you leave here today motivated to study and meditate on the Bible and you read it once, you're not going to be like, all of a sudden I'm this superhuman Christian. It's not going to happen. But just like as you expose yourself to the sun and you get a tan, you expose yourself to the Word of God by getting in it every day and studying it and meditating on it. And next thing you know, a year has passed and you're not, you look back at, at you a year ago and you say, I'm not the same person I used to be. God has changed my life. This sanctification process, you, you, you'll, you, you sometimes won't even notice the growth. You just discipline yourself to be in the Word of God and at the feet of Jesus like Mary was. And you look back and say, wow, I'm not even close to the same person I, I was before. It's what God has done in your life. But if you don't desire to know God in a deeper way, and if you don't discipline yourself to get in the Word of God and expose yourself to the Word of God, you're not going to see it. You're not going to be like the tree planted by the rivers of water. You're going to be like the tree that lacks stability. Your leaf is withering. It's not fruitful. But God has given us His Word. And when we get into His Word, it helps us not only intellectually to learn doctrines and themes, but it helps you emotionally. Psalmist in Psalm 119 said, God, I was, I was about to give up. And then Your Word, it helps you emotionally and it helps energize you to want to serve. I'm telling you this in a, in a long way. This book right here will change your life. 
Yes, you have the world. And yes, you have the flesh. And yes, you have Satan that is after you and trying to discourage you in your journey of faith. But this word right here is a life source for you. And the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. And the Spirit of God with the Word of God makes the enemies that we've talked about no match. They're defeated. Jesus Christ is victorious. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this week. If you're not, if you say, you know what, I just don't spend any time with God during the week. Hey, just showing up on Sunday is not going to help your relationship just like it wouldn't help my relationship with Michelle. You've got to spend every day with God and then learn and meditate on His Word and watch as God gradually, as you expose yourself to His Word, as God changes your life. Let's pray.